CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them! NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. week's episode of the state of recruiting your weekly horns 24 7 recruiting podcast i'm mike roach and i'm joined as always by hudson standish it is a uh, big winning week it's always a good week uh, after a win but especially good after an oklahoma win and in the matter it was done um probably the best week i think texas fans have had in a while we're going to get to all that we'll talk about the newly released top 247 drop some recruiting updates, and of course, do our game picks with Guy. But before we get into all that, Hudson, how's it going? The vibes are immaculate. Like, genuinely stunning. I feel like I'm going to go on a Stephen A. Smith-type rant where I just go synonym by synonym on, like, every single positive word. Like, second straight week that uh, Texas gets a really, you know, convincing win – um, second straight week that both Texas A&M and Oklahoma lose your rivals and to get it done in the cotton Bowl, I mean, goodness gracious, especially in that fashion, like record breaking fashion, obviously we'll dive in, uh, to more detail on the actual game itself, um, on talking Texas tomorrow. And we have a ton to say, but I mean, the recruiting impact of just taking your chief rival, Um, And I know some people feel like it's Texas A&M. I've always felt like it's Oklahoma. Um, But taking your one of your two biggest rivals behind the woodshed and 49 to nothing um, like that is about as big of a recruiting statement as you can make on the field outside of a potential Bama upset. Yeah. Um, So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Oklahoma here in a bit. 
Before we get to that, the top 247 released this week, uh, newly updated for the class of 2023. It is the mid-season update. Seven Longhorns made the list. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to go best off memory here. Arch Manning, uh, Derek Williams, Jonte Cook, Cedric Baxter, uh, Jaden Chapman. And Ryan Niblett. And Ryan Niblett. Uh, so pretty good effort by me. Um, and two guys fell out, of course, Jamel Johnson and uh, Leona Lee Fowl, no longer in the top 247. But a really good, uh, really good showing from Texas at this point. And I think the headline, to me at least, is, you know, when you look at the way it's coming together and you look at, I know offensively, those kind of big three groups that you can put together in a recruiting class, like a star quarterback, a star receiver, and a star running back. Texas has their trio all in the top 50, including the number one overall prospect in the country. Yeah, and I don't think that there was any doubt that um, Arch Manning was going to stay number one considering his performance to start his senior year. And I think, to me, the most encouraging uh, thing about it is that Cedric Baxter seems to be poised to make that five-star push. If it was final today, he would be a five-star, according to uh, 24-7. Yeah, certainly trending upwards. Um, everybody else kind of stayed or, or maybe had a small drop. There were a couple. I think uh, Malik Muhammad is a guy I forgot to mention that was also in there. He had a small rise. Uh, I think Jaden Chapman had the biggest move. He went up 10 spots and increased a point on his rating. Uh, the Harker Heights offensive lineman. So good showing. Uh, of course, you, you know, you hate to see the two guys drop out. Um, but I think when you look at Jamel Johnson, you see a player who is certainly intriguing from a frame aspect. And I think he's actually had a pretty good season from what I've seen on the field. Uh, but not a lot of athletic markers to go on. Not a lot of uh, – and the way they play him at Seguin is such a almost wild-ass way of, of playing football that – it's hard to have a lot to go on. And Leona Lefau is another guy. Not a lot of athletic markers. We don't have a ton of testing. And he's undersized for the position. Now, we think he's still an awesome football player. And the Texas staff certainly thinks very highly of him. But uh, from my read of talking to our guys, that was the reason they uh, they dropped out. Yeah, and I think that the important thing to always keep in context is that the um, rankings, basically on a site-by-site -site basis, are solely graded against the draft. And uh, with the NFL draft more and more, like the athletic profile is mattering as much, if not more than the tape now. So you're going to see that reflected in the rankings. Like, um, you know, there there are guys that are high three stars at an 89 that are all Americans that don't and eventually get drafted. Um, and even though they're collegiate All-Americans, the fact that they don't get drafted in the, you know, 250 or so picks in the NFL draft means that um, it's a correct ranking. And whatever your thoughts are on that system, it's really the only way to effectively measure. Because if you don't go by the draft, you get it such a subjective, um, you just, there's no, you know, real objective way to, you know, grade recruits other than that. Yeah, and I think the important thing that goes into that is our evaluation ends on draft night. Like, whatever those guys do in the NFL is whatever they do. It doesn't factor into the way we evaluated them. We're ranking them for where they could be picked. And it doesn't mean that if Leona Lethal has a very good college career and then doesn't go in the top of the, or, you know, in the draft or gets drafted late, it doesn't mean he still didn't bring a lot of, uh, value to your college or the, or the team you follow. Um, 
you know, I think that that's where people kind of get twisted. And, you, you know, like you mentioned, I think the NBA used to be like solely the league where it was basically measurables ruled uh, overall. And now the NFL is way more becoming a, uh, a league based in that. Yeah. And I don't know. I think you're seeing that reflected in success at the NFL level as well. I don't think it's just a draft thing. Obviously, Trayvon Walker was a big example of that to where really his production compared to the number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, was just not even close. But Walker had probably the best defensive combine of all time that ended up making him the number one overall pick. And it's it's a really interesting discussion and you know there's a lot of nuance in it right like something that i always think about is that um you know rashawn johnson is a perfect example of like a low four-star guy that a lot of times you know people had their complaints about oh well he's he's never going to be a draftable quarterback so why would he be ranked this high but when you do look at the athletic markers it kind of makes sense to put that much of a, you know, freak show player with good tape in the top two, four, seven, or in a, you know, low four-star category. That way, if they, you know, end up do having to switch positions and become draftable players like he is now, it, it ends up uh, evening out. Yeah. And so those are the, I think people get twisted with the, well, why do you, why would you evaluate him for the NFL? That's, you know, for the most part, even in a in a situation like you just mentioned with Trayvon Walker, like, yeah, maybe he didn't have the best college career, but um, for the most part, your guys who are being highly drafted also have really good college careers and make an impact on your team. Yeah. Mike, another thing I think is worth mentioning, too. So there are seven top uh, 24-7 uh, recruits uh, in the Texas class currently committed, right? Mm-hmm. Six of those seven are top 100 players. Yes, very. The, then, the, they lack the middle. It's like a sandwich with a, a top piece of bread and a bottom piece of Jane Chapman bread, and uh, no middle. And I think that's where sure they'd like to add a couple guys that are in the middle and, and have a chance to. But having, if you want to have uh, your class weighted one way, having it top 100 certainly is the way to go. And. You know, I think that there is a decent chance, depending on if people move up or uh, exactly, you know, how it shakes out, that they could add two or three more top 100 guys before uh, th- this class is all said and done. I mean, Deuce Robinson, the number 33 player in the nation, Tosilia Kana, top 50, Marcus Deal in the top 75, DeAndre Moore uh, Jr., the Louisville wide receiver commit that we know that they're going after, is in the top 100. You have JV and Toviano and Recent offer, uh, Jelani McDonald, who you spoke to, and maybe this is a good segue point from Waco Connolly. He's been somebody that Gabe Brooks has really been touting uh, throughout the offseason. And I don't know, there might be a shot that he uh, gets his way in the top 100 as well. Yeah, just a phenomenal athlete. And I went out to see Connolly a couple weeks ago, and he didn't play much because he was coming back from an injury and kind of just recovering. But um, he was a guy that just I, I had heard a lot of you know you and Gabe talk about what you liked about him and was interested to just kind of see him on the hoof and he's so impressively built and put together and just looks like an athlete and he's been doing you know special things on the field and on the basketball court uh, for a while to back that up but Texas kind of likes him as a 
you know, you can call it a star or even a, like an overhang will or something like that, that they think they can, he can grow into. He's currently committed to Oklahoma state, but will be officially or not officially, excuse me, unofficially visiting Texas this weekend uh, for the Iowa state game. So I think we'll have a much better feel on where things are with him coming out of that trip. Obviously he would be the seventh highest uh, rated commit according to uh, 24 seven sports. If he did end up flipping from Oklahoma state, But so while that kind of holds its own weight, I cannot stress enough how much I covet Jelani McDonald in this class. I mean, I don't know. Him with Derek Williams almost feels like just unfair when you talk about modern defenders um, just having the both size and speed um, to really combat spread offenses at the next level. Uh, It's yeah, obviously five of the um, seven, I believe, in the top two, four, seven are on the um, offensive side of the ball. And I do understand that probably some Texas fans are going to take uh, some issue with the fact that Darian Gallette isn't in the top 24, um, seven. But, you know, it's just it, it's a really good class. And even though um, it's not done yet, I just. I don't know. I'm just very impressed. And Jelani McDonald officially being on the board is just something that I'm very excited about. Let's talk OU. Uh, We'll talk a lot more about the game on Talking Texas this week. But uh, the recruit reaction was incredibly strong coming out of that game. And how could it not be after 49-0 in the Cotton Bowl? It was an OU home game, so they hosted the recruits. But we did talk to a lot of the guys that were there. And even, you know, a couple Texas commits uh, bought their way into the game with tickets. Uh, Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner were there. So all in all, a really successful day for Texas. I think probably for me the biggest takeaway is the buzz on from recruits both sides of the ball on Quinn Ewers. I mean, they understand that Texas has a special, special talent at the quarterback position and how far that could potentially carry your team. And uh, there was a lot of buzz about him after that game. Yeah, Mike, I don't know if you agree with this, but it felt like there were like three different categories of recruit reactions. You had like the Texas commits and Texas leans who were like, Man, I knew they were going to do this. I, I always knew they were going to do this. Not for a second did I doubt that the score was going to be like 50 to nothing. It's like, okay. Then you had the, I guess, objective or like impartial recruits who were just like, damn, uh, that, wow, okay, that was something. And then you had the recruits that were stunned and whose reactions to us I found the funniest, which were just like, I mean – what happened there? Or like, you know, you had the damn moment, but like, you know, is everything okay? Like what's going on? It was without a doubt. um, I would say like the funniest recruit responses I've ever, ever gathered because I'll just, we held nothing back because I don't know, we were all having fun that day. And so I think, you know, I was like, Texas isn't really in it for Peyton Bowen, but Peyton Bowen was at the game. So let me see what he thinks. And uh, he hit me with a no comment and some laughing emojis. Um, I, you know, that there was, uh, I think you mentioned like one person was just like, yeah, no, I totally knew this was going to happen. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was a, a comical day of, of gathering recruit reactions. And the good thing about like a performance like that is the kids want to talk afterwards. They all, everybody wants to talk about the game. So it was really easy to get a ton. And I do think, too, I, I made the generic comment about, like, the three different categories, but you do have your uh, 
your kids that you know are always going to hit you with some great analysis. Like I thought Peyton Pierce uh, had some really good, as always had some really great stuff to say. And then I got one of my favorite quotes, I think of all time from Micah Hudson as he was detailing his uh, Red River experience, which was a little bit in uh, jeopardy because they had a nine 30 practice scheduled, but his coaches uh, gave at Lake Belton gave him some leniency and he was able to make it to the cotton bowl. And my Goodness, Texas fans have to just be thrilled by the fact that the five-star 2024 receiver uh, was there in attendance for his third Texas game this year. And Mike, we talk all the time about, you know, kids don't really follow the week-to-week as fans do. It's kind of, they're looking at box scores occasionally, and the games that they visit in person matter so much. So the fact that Micah Hudson, a top 10 player nationally, according to the composite, went to the Alabama game the West Virginia game and Texas OU is just massive ahead of a um, visit, which I'm probably going to report on Thursday to Ohio state for the Iowa game. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously had some, uh, some fun things to say after the game uh, about, you know, came in his Texas shirt and uh, went, went, it was, he went and ended up sitting on the Texas side. Was that the, the full quote? Um, that was, uh, you know, I, I guess I have a mixed reaction about that. I'm always of the mind that if like a school is going to invite you, you know, be respectful to that school. But for Texas fans who like to play the petty game with your rival, it be, I, I think Texas has been in that place many times to where, uh, it, it probably was fun being on the other side of the other side of the table. Um, all right. Anything else from OU Hudson that uh, we'll probably hit on it some more with Guy later, and we'll have the uh, full autopsy in talking Texas. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna zip open that body bag. I mean, the body. Yeah, good. I cannot wait. I mean, is this? I think just a preview for talking Texas, but talking Texas is usually like it's pretty heavy on. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about last week, but we're gonna get ahead to preview in this game. Is this? Probably fair to say we're going to spend like 10 minutes on Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, because the Iowa State prep is pretty simple as far as like, hey, their defense is awesome as ever. You know, going to be really intriguing to see how Sark uses 12 personnel to kind of combat the tight front and the three high safety looks. And then their offense is, you know, uh, cut to a soundboard like, you know, fart. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, you know, it's number, it's... I think, 96 the nationally in offensive uh, success rate and both the rush and pass are also like sub 90. So, what is it you always send us in the group text? The barking dogs. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it sets up well for Texas. Obviously, it's a trap game and a letdown spot, but we'll get into it more tomorrow, obviously. Yep. Um, one recruit who wasn't there but watched the game and came away really impressed. I talked to a little bit tonight on Wednesday as we're recording this. I went to South Oak Cliff uh, for the debut of the Bally Sports documentary Return of the Mecca on the South Oak Cliff State Championship team. And while I was there, you know, had a chance to chat with uh, Malik Muhammad for a little bit. I think there's been a lot of worries about uh, Manny. And obviously he's taking two official visits to A&M and Alabama. Those are always reason to worry when a guy's on another campus. Uh, but after talking to him tonight, feel a lot better about where things sit with him in Texas. I think that, um, you know, he was one of the guys that just right off the bat was like, man, that that Quinn Ewers is something serious. And, uh, 
we can confirm he is correct in that in that uh, assumption. Yeah, fact check true. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, just for the people who enjoy this aspect of recruiting, while there, Manny was wearing a Texas shirt, carrying a Texas backpack, and uh, you know seemed uh, seemed really happy to talk about the game. So um, I think we just wanted to drop that in really quick. I think he's good there. Um, also talked to Billy Wall. Uh, Manny, by the way, will be in uh, Austin this weekend for the Iowa State game, which is big before he uh, goes out and, and takes these official visits. Also talked to Billy Walton, the, the Texas commit from SOC, who he's been locked in. Um, he uh, also watched the game and will be down for the Iowa State game as well. So uh, as far as the pair of South Oak Cliff commits, I think things are in uh, pretty good hands right now. Uh, uh, yeah, Mike, that Iowa State visitor list, by the way, that we're kind of constructing right now, actually seems like it might be a bit of an interesting recruiting weekend for the Horns. Yeah, um, it's turning into kind of what the Oklahoma State week was last week. And I think a large part of that is because our, Arch Manning will be there, yep. um, which how do we get this far? Not, you know, not mention that. Uh, but I think um, when you look at the list that's coming together, especially when a guy like Arch is on campus, it seems like people want to come and, and be a part of that. So uh, going to be a big a big week. We'll have, uh, of, co- of course, post-game uh, reactions, uh, intel, all that kind of stuff. Well, Hudson will, and I'll touch on that in a second. Um, Mike, one last thing before we move on. We mentioned Arch. We mentioned OU. We would be absolutely remiss if we did not mention that uh, – there is a little bit of a Colton Vosick situation going on right now. Yeah. How do we forget about that? I think before we started the show, Hudson's like, what else do we want to add to the prep sheet? I'm like, oh, nothing. I think he got it covered. How did we forget Colton Vosick? Uh, Austin Westlake defensive end, former Texas or a Texas legacy, uh, a guy that kind of shockingly committed to Oklahoma was there to see the game. And um, <laughs> even in the lead up, like you had told me, I think Friday night, maybe that yeah. um, he had unarchived his Texas visit pictures on Instagram and uh, was liking some pro Texas tweets on, on Twitter. And I think Oregon as well, very pro Oregon tweets. So yeah. certainly yeah. gave a lot of the Oklahoma people a scare. I did talk to somebody after the game at Texas who had said as of Sunday, that they hadn't had any real contact with Colton since the game. Uh, but I do think, and I told you this, Hudson, if I was Texas, I would be showing up in force Friday night. Uh, I'd send the whole defensive staff out to Trooping Springs to see to see Vosick and Westlake. And after talking with sources, it just seems like there is a little bit of an understanding that if trend lines hold, it's going to get really interesting once Westlake season ends before National Signing Day. because. A really intriguing dynamic uh, this year as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't National Signing Day a full week after the state championship games end? Uh, not after they end, after they start. So they'll start on Wednesday, they'll end on Saturday, and then it'll be the following Wednesday. Okay, yeah. So uh, anyway, just having that extra those extra days so that you're not juggling a potential you know, signing day moment with a a state title quest, which Austin Westlake has won three in a row. So, you know, that's what their goal um, seems to be each and every year. That makes it very interesting to me. And just overall, there's just a lot of smoke. Like (laughs) Vosick 
likes to keep it close to the vest with recruiting. Um, and I think he's pretty savvy in how he does it, but he also knows what he's doing and liking all of the Texas post and on archiving his photo. Like it, it's, it's getting very intriguing. Certainly does. And to credit you, you've had a source forever saying, Hey, this could very much be a Kelvin Banks situation. Which I mean, if it ends up playing, if it ends up playing out like that with the uh, seemingly out of state commitment, smoke during the season and a late flip to Texas, I might need to get that source like a Christmas gift because that's about as on the money as it could possibly get. We'll see. There's a lot of season left, but um, I mean, there's blood in the water. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and so, isn't it great to be in the season and be the shark instead of the chum? Yeah, because it's usually not the case. Not the case at all. It could be a really good week. Maybe something does happen next week with Colton Vosick. And Segway. We'll tell you why, because we've got a major announcement. I am going on vacation next week. I've had a trip booked Crowd's for, going wild right for now. the last uh, last year and it got canceled by COVID. And so it got moved to now and it's a trip with me and my dad. So normally I don't like to vacation during the season, but here we are. And so I will be out of the country away from my phone and uh, away yeah. from the phone is like bonus points on vacation too. That, that like is a double commitment factor. You guys know that when Mike goes out of town, the commits cash. So uh, let's see if I can keep the streak alive. I was red hot in the summer when I went to Mexico huts. And I think we had like 11 commitments or something while I was gone. 11. I mean, I was so, I was prepared to do my job. I was not prepared for an avalanche. Yeah, it was, uh, but, but we got through it and we put out some great content again. If you're, if this is your first time listening to the show, hysterical, but the bit is that, Mike seemingly for years, every time he goes on vacation, Texas gets at least one commit. And it's a pretty dang uh, sturdy streak. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's pretty pretty sturdy indeed. Uh, I'm trying to think if I ever gone and something not happened, but I don't think so. Uh, at least one thing happened. So um, Hudson, be ready. I, I'll never forget calling you from Mexico over the summer and being like, Hey, are you okay? Like, uh, I know it's been a lot. The, I, we recapped it once you got back, but it was so funny being for, and again, Mike was enjoying some mojitos. So there's no blame to him. And he very much deserved this vacation, but it was hysterical getting the call of like, yo, is something going to happen with Derek Williams? And me just being like, Mike, I put in the crystal ball and he committed like three hours ago, friend. <laughs> Yeah, was, uh, I'm, I'm too focused worrying about when Jonte's going to pull the trigger next. We had that covered, though. I had, oh, I made, oh, I, yeah, that was, I, I made mean, sure were, that was good were, before. You were in the commitment video. Yeah. Um, no, it was, I was coming out of a haze. I was under the influence of some things. So. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, I, I remember I woke up one day in Mexico by the pool and I looked at my phone and I was like, Derek Williams committed, huh? All right. Uh, Sounds like, and then it was like, here's four other texts about four other people that just committed. Um, So it was a big one. All right. um, So yeah, that takes care of all of our housekeeping. Let's take a quick break and hear from our most treasured sponsors. Yes. And then we will uh, bring in Guy Frazier. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you to those excellent sponsor reads. I'm sure they absolutely. killed it. Uh, also, <laughs> yeah, absolutely crushed it per huge. Um, Mike, I would like to say, though, if you're listening to the if, if to any of the listeners, um, tweet at us just some celebratory gifts uh, to the Mike going on vacation news. Just uh, maybe best gift uh, on Twitter wins a prize that to be determined later. All right, uh, Hudson or uh, not Hudson Guy, you're joining the show now. How's it going? Good, good. Maybe uh, maybe they get a shout out on the show next week or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Abs- uh, shout out if they want a question to be answered. Whatever dealer's choice. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe guy will tell you a story. Um, maybe yeah. shout us out to at, at, tell us to at, ask us to have guy tell you a story about whatever it could be about the history of DISD football or uh, you know Highland Park and and their uh, their legacy as meager as it is and all of those sorts of things and we'll uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, there we go. How you feeling, guy? You know, it's uh, it's always, you know, you're kind of a, a piece of cardboard in the wake after a tidal wave post Red River week. And the last couple of years, it's been in a bad way. But uh, this year, obviously, a lot more positivity. And honestly, just the celebration continues. I've had no issue partaking in that. So, yeah. So you're you're always our boots on the ground coverage, at least at home. It's been a lot of boots on the ground coverage because they've played a lot of home games. And then, of course, you always go to OU. I think in the second half of the season when they're uh, in Manhattan and things like that, we're not going to get that boots on the ground coverage. But, um, you know, OU, always your favorite weekend of the year. And you had a, a week off from school fall right in the middle of it. So it was mm-hmm. very fortuitous. Uh, I saw that you went in and got your uh, what is it you you have uh, at the fair? That'll be cinnamon roll. Yeah, how was that? How, how did the breakfast? How did the cinnamon roll hit? Oh, it hit. I got a. Uh, I've kind of you know my 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 palate has continued to grow in the world of nuts, and uh, I like pecans now. So I got pecans sprinkled on there, and add a little crunch factor that I've never had before. Uh, so that was great. Got a little uh, Jack's burgers and fries after the game. With a wax cup or two, and um, yeah, I think the the biggest takeaway was fried butter's a little overrated, or no, fried honey. Sorry, fried honey. Uh, but yeah, no, ate a little bit of everything and, and enjoyed the fair as well. Um, did you have a corn dog? You know, I didn't, but I actually do plan on either going this weekend or maybe Friday. So I, I am going to get to that um we need a couple to... times i went and jumped in line it was just taking too long i didn't have the patience so yeah. I, I i will get to it but i did not have one on game 
Also, that's a pro move. I, I think that if it's your first time, you've got to do the corny dog. And especially, uh, I mean, I, you know, this is true news breaking. Sources were telling me that the Bijan uh, mustard scent was actually pretty great on the Fletcher's corny dog. Yeah, I was going to say, guy, we're going to need a report if you get a corn dog on the Bijan mustard scent. I, I heard good things from, from my. So was that in the building or did people smuggle that in? No, they were. No, they, were, they had they like were it serving was it. Yeah, yeah. Stand at the Fletcher really? stand. Yeah. I wonder if that'll only be a game day thing only, or if. Oh. I think I, if they're going to get a chance to sell it, like they have it right. I'll send you. I'll send you the text with all of the details, and the, and we are perfectly getting into the weeds, which I love. But I think it was only at the uh, big text stand. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the one. I our, our buddy Tommy Yarsh. It was his first Red River experience, and um. Nick had to go get to the press box pregame, so he kind of handed them off to me. And I took him to the corny dog line there at the big tech stand and was like, I'm not going to wait in this, but you can if you want. And he he had never been to the fair, never been to the game, any of that. Uh, Tommy's got a background of being from Chicago originally, so understandable. Uh, But I I never heard anything about the Bichon mustards and stuff. I've never even had the mustard itself. So That's just you being a good official visit host for uh, Tommy Yarsh. Yeah, and, you know, more so than him being from Chicago. Like, Hudson, I think we talked about this a little last week on Talking Texas, but, like, well, I guess you had said you guys went to Red River because y'all were like season ticket holders and stuff. But yeah. like being from Liberty, would you have gone to the fair if you oh, didn't absolutely. have game tickets? If it wasn't Texas OU, absolutely not. Because yeah. uh, the Houston equivalent is essentially just, you the, know, the rodeo. The rodeo. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was yeah, telling him I mean, it's, a, it's a Dallas thing. I think we grew up with, with the fair and a uh, guy will remember fair day in school. Uh, mm-hmm. When we when we got off to go to the fair, so uh, I think like the Houston area and, and outlying areas aren't as uh, familiar with it as we are. Obviously, I think you get a lot of like East Texas, yeah, far North Texas sense. and West Texas people for the um, the ranching aspect and all the the cat the cattle shows and all that that goes on during the fair. A little bit of an underrated part, but. Like most of the people who are just like random fair goers come from this area. And that's why I can go back on Friday and go get a corn yeah. dog. I'm 10 minutes from it, you know. Guy, I think the main thing well, I really want to dive in with you. Can you in painstakingly detail go over the Slowly. atmosphere of the game and how the soul just kind of left Sooner Nation? Uh, sure. For, I mean – it felt like people started going for the exits in the third quarter. Obviously, it wasn't like two. I do want to give credit to a lot of Oklahoma fans that stayed because yeah. 49 to nothing is pretty brutal. And there was at least a good chunk that stayed in the seats, including uh, national championship softball MVP, um, their center fielder, whose name I'm blanking on. I think it's Jada Coleman that is uh, Billy Bowman's girlfriend. Okay, yeah, you, you can't you can't bail if you're a player's girl. And the thing that that bothered me about the OU fans from seeing the wide shots of the stadium on TV is like, hey, brother, if you're sitting in the last row of the stadium, there's plenty of open seats down there. Why don't you go ahead and move down? Yeah. I think they were paralyzed. I'm not even. That's not even a joke. I think that they. I mean, we've talked about it. Oklahoma is probably the mo- the second most consistent college football program of all time behind Ohio mm-hmm. State. Like, other than the John Blake era, modern Oklahoma fans don't know what to do with this. And I think you're seeing that. Gary in- Gibbs may have an argument on that too. Good but- point. 
But like overall, dude, it's it is. I don't think they know how to react. And so I think that's why the common sense of like, hey, we can move up and take photos and other stuff just went out the window um, because they just were didn't know uh, what to think when Jonathan Brooks got in the game and started, you know, stunting on him. Yeah, I mean, look, they've I'm not I'm not going to say the word, but they've served us a lot of S sandwiches yeah. over the last 20 years. 2000, 2003, yep. uh, 11 and 12 when I was in high school. A lot of long days, right? I've, I, you know, I think it was either, in, I think it was in 12, I was up on the second deck and I stayed up there and could have moved down in the Texas section, but you're just paralyzed by the yeah. moment. It happens. But um, yeah, I mean, to break it down, um, it's the quietest, at least in a while, maybe since 05 or 09, maybe that I've seen the OU faithful before the game, you know, typically there's a little bit of chirpiness and, you know, it goes back and forth. Texas fans are the same way, but there's a lot of times where Texas fans are kind of have mirrored the team where we don't punch first in that game. Typically they're kind of handing it to us on a, on a platter and then we either fight back or there's been some, some bad days, obviously. So, um, that wasn't the case this year. I think they kind of knew what they were walking into. And I was kind of bullish on this last week. I just avoid the ambush, and I think you're going to be okay. I uh, was told by a former Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback that the team north of the Red River doesn't flinch when they go in there. Is that the same guy who's about to get uh, bounced out of the league? Yeah. It is him, yes, indeed. I don't, Who was radio silent last Saturday? Nothing. I mean, Keandre Coburn kind of stuffed him in a locker, met- metaphorically. Just funny and how Baker's talked a whole lot. Yeah. Talked a whole lot in years past. Didn't have a single tweet, like tweet, no. or anything. Just but, silent. Um, I mean, his his world – Baker Mayfield's world must be just crashing around him right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. But, yeah, so pregame – pretty quiet from their side um and i wouldn't even say like a nervousness it was almost like we're kind of ready to just take this you know and um i i try one of these days you two or or mike whoever will will go that game with me and i almost turn into a guy on the sideline where i kind of just get this like locked in emotion where i'm no longer a fan i'm just like in the moment um and I was just kind of ready to just kick their rear, you know, and and it happened. Um, obviously, a little bit of a slow start. First couple of drives by both teams didn't really do a whole lot. And then once we kind of locked in there in the middle part of the first quarter, um, I mean, the route was on. And, and I was telling somebody, I've gone back and rewatched it, that easily could have been 63-0 to zero or 70-0. to zero. There was yeah. points left on the board, and I think they just kind of got bored. And they had to drive 92 and 90 yards on their second and third drives for touchdowns. Like there's a, there is a scenario in this game and now we're just getting into full breakdown. There's a scenario in this game where Texas gets the short fields that they got in the second half early. And Mm. like you said, it gets somehow even uglier. Like part of it is a mad, like you mentioned the ambush factor. That was something I thought about during the fake field goal. Mm-hmm. And they even somehow survive that, and it just turns into a bludgeoning. Talking about the atmosphere, though, how early did you get into the stadium for warm-ups? Because I'm curious if there was any sort of a deflation when Dylan Gabriel's warming up. It seemed like Oklahoma fans were getting a little juiced that, mm-hmm. oh, could he go, couldn't he? And then he comes out in shorts, and 
at least from afar, it sure seemed like that was a, while you're trying to play the game, I guess, which again, I don't know how much that actually does. It's not like they weren't prepared for Dylan Gabriel, but it seemed to deflate the fan base a little bit of, oh, we're going with Davis Bevel. Yeah, well, y'all know me. I like getting into the stadium as early as possible and, like a true, and like partaking a true. in all that. So um, I would say I got in there with about 48 to 50 minutes on the clock and watched pretty much the entirety of the warm-up. Um, so you have all that go on, but from the OU faithful perspective, like most things that day, it was short, short-lived. Yeah, they got maybe a little bit of juice, but I don't know if any of them really believed it was going to happen fully. Just like when they get the interception of Quinn there that stalled out of the drive where I think Texas was going to score. You know, you could argue that was the biggest juncture of the game despite the score already being 28-0 to because I think they kind of knew it was over, but what little base was still left in there kind of came alive. And Texas squashed it with a three three and out um, on defense. And that's something Texas need to do because years past, like last year, or just in other games even this season where you need to go get a stop and just silence whatever momentum the other team has, they did that in that moment. And, yeah, it was 28-0, to and then they go make it 35-0 on the next drive. But, um, yeah, I mean, they just – they silenced any sort of scuttlebutt that Oklahoma ever got on Saturday. Um, and – that's something they haven't done in a long time, obviously. I know this feels like a lot of grave dancing we're doing here, but here's it's here, that's this, what I'm doing. This, <laughs> this was I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This was my favorite part of the day. You usually you're used to hearing Boomer Sooner about a hundred times during that day, and it was like. Uh, they they hit like a first down in the third quarter and played it real quick and I was like oh yeah they do that I forgot. Listen, I do want to give credit to uh, Parker Thune from the uh, OU twenty four seven site who had probably one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen of just the ponies. Uh, uh, I think they're the Sooner and the, the, uh, the Sooner Schooner. Yeah. yeah, the Sooner Schooner and just saying they haven't moved all day. Was just one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. And, you know, I was on their show and Parker was pretty reasonable heading into the game. So while uh, we're doing a little bit of a grave dancing, I did want to shout him out for that tweet because it made me die laughing. It was hysterical. Well, also, to answer, something about seeing two ponies just being like, so why are we here? If yeah, we're just not standing there hitched up the entire day for four hours straight. Because they're like, we want to run, baby. Yeah, well. Yeah, and um, to answer kind of last thing about their fan base and then kind of how the game went, um, I think it's when Bijan downshifted on that 35-0 touchdown is when you first started to see people really head for the exits. Um, and that was, what, 10 minutes left in the third quarter or so? And then by the time you got to um, early fourth quarter, it was pretty empty in there. I mean, it was – our buddy Tristan Weber, who's out of coaching right now, but who coached Quinn in high school, coached at Highland Park for a long time, all that. Um, at Allen recently, too. Hell of a was, coach. Yep, OC at Allen, all that. Um, I got him two tickets for the game um, last second. He, he took his wife, and uh, they met our other good buddy, who I shout out on the show every week, Chris Heron, Abilene Cooper, great. Um, but we, we – so they all get out there, and – the the Webbers actually moved over to the Oklahoma side at the end to kind of position themselves near the tunnel so that they could see Quinn and Paxton, you know, Anderson and Prince and all the guys that he's coached in the past. But that, I mean, it was that empty over there. Um, 
with a good 10, 12 minutes left in the game. Um, and, and there's been a lot of times where, where Texas has kind of been near that. But, you, I mean, you haven't seen the Oklahoma side like that since probably 2013 when Mac got his last laugh. So, um, yeah, really fun day. And, and while it was 49 nothing, um, it, it could have been a lot worse. So It, it could have. And this isn't even this isn't even talking about uh, missed drives that you were kept like the Quinn interception and the Bird Auburn missed field goal. It could have been fifty nine to nothing within that if Steve Sarkeesian really wanted to pour on the Jay Witt drop touchdown on the ball that had so much mustard on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were other opportunities to get that thing in the high sixties and. There's no need. It, it is what I mean. The the damage was done. The sta- yeah, the statements made. There could have been though. I mean, it could have been a okay. Oklahoma gives this performance, but Texas kind of you know sleepwalks through it. It could have been you know twenty seven to three, and it wouldn't have. Sure. It would have been cool, but it wouldn't have been nearly as satisfying. I don't think. And um, what were the what were the post game fair vibes? Was wait, everybody... can I mention one thing real quick? What's the opposite of sleepwalking? Is it just Waking up with a baseball bat and beating the crap out of somebody. That's did, y'all, did y'all hear Josh Pate's analogy on the game? No. So he said, This is what he's like, I'll spare you so you don't have to go rewatch it. Uh, type deal, you know, to the viewers of, of his show on Sunday. And he said, So basically, here's what happened. You got a group of friends that got bored on a Saturday afternoon. They decided to go find a morgue. And then they went inside and they found a dead body unzipped it and just started taking turns with a baseball bat hitting it and they did that for an hour and then the second hour rolls around and then the third hour rolls around you kind of go yeah i'm kind of bored y'all want to go get some lunch and so they just kind of proceed to leave the morgue and that was kind of what happened i was like that's honestly perfect because there was i think there kind of came to a point where Texas pulled their starters. It was like, okay, just just get this thing to the end, you know. But I mean, for three hours, they just throttled them, you know. Yeah. Um, but post post fair vibes. Um, I've always said that Texas fans do a pretty good job of sticking around. I think some of that's because there's a lot more Texas fans local, so they can do that. And while there's a lot of local Oklahoma people here in Dallas and Fort Worth and, and whatnot. Um, when Oklahoma wins, the steakhouses in town do a lot better because you get Texas people in town and Oklahoma people in town on Saturday night. But when Oklahoma loses, you'll get some people that stick around, but a lot of them go back home. And uh, even if that's local, but, you know, the hub back across the border or whatever. So it was a lot of Texas people and it was just good vibes. And the Oklahoma people that were there were fine, um, pretty quiet and, and having a good time themselves or whatever. But I think, you know, for the most part, the day was a lot of people thought that might happen. Didn't know it was going to be that bad, but that it would be pretty lopsided in Texas's favor. And that's how it played out. So I don't know if a lot of people were totally shocked other than the outcome was as lopsided as, a, as it was. So post-fair vibes were, were immaculate. Uh, you did uh, very much impress my wife on uh... – Saturday, she saw a video of you sinking the uh, what is it? The, is it like a frog? Uh, the flipper chick. The flipper yeah, chicken. The, the chicken. Yeah, yeah, the chicken thing. Yeah. She uh, she was like, "Oh wow, look at guy." Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tradition now. The the group of us that goes, a couple family friends. You've met some of them, Mike. Um, we we go find the flipper chick after a couple wax cup beers, burgers, and all that, and uh, see if we can all win chicken hats. So. 
Uh, I happened to be the first one to go. Second try, nailed one. So, yeah, good time. The video made it seem a lot easier than that game actually is. A bit of a tough game. Oh, it's that, tough. Yeah. That you nailed. Speaking of uh, fair games, you had a tweet do some uh, pretty good numbies some of numbers. Hudson Card enjoying himself after the game. Uh, obviously, can you just talk me through what uh, went through your mind? I mean, just seeing the players, like, th there was a. Um, there was a video, I cannot remember who it was. I think it was Moro Ojomo doing his post-game media hits with just a giant turkey leg in hand. Mm -hmm. Like it was just Moro. seeing the guys yeah. get to have a good time at the fair after the game was just fantastic. Yeah, so losing team typically hits the road and and that's that. Winning team, I think they release them for a couple hours and they can go enjoy with their their family and friends and um, in years past, I've run into Oklahoma players, and it's been a while since we've seen Texas players out on the on the uh, the midway. But um, yeah, we were over at Jack's Fries, and I needed to go use the restroom, so I went and took care of that business. And as I'm walking back, that big basketball um, set up there, right there by uh, the front of the Cotton Bowl. Um, you see this kind of group of people around one of the guys shooting. And I'm like, that's Huddy Card right there. And uh, he proceeds that, to show a great-looking jumper, nice, quiet, smooth, silky jump shot. But he's playing on a carnival basket, and so he goes over three. But, uh, yeah, I just looked. That, that video now has 27.6 thousand views for a guy missing three jump shots. But uh, he was obviously enjoying himself. You mentioned the thing that it's a carnival basket, so kind of, you know, of course he missed. I, I did find it kind of funny that people – there were some people in the quote tweets and the replies being like, oh, he sure is missing a lot. And it's like, okay, you don't get it. Like, there he's having fun. Shots. Yeah, he's having fun post a drubbing. Like, come on. Um, right. I'm trying to think. Anything else from the game day experience we got to hit? Obviously, we'll talk more about the scheme of how Texas did it, go play-by-play, play, and, you know, talk some more about the overall, uh, you know, overarching season narrative from this game on Talking Texas, but anything else from the actual game day experience, any of the, I guess, loudest moments? Yeah, I'll, I'll add game? a couple couple things so we can we can move on. Uh, one, I thought Sarch's note the Corso pregame was pretty cool, but very it true has. that – and it kind of goes back to what Mike and I talked about. Mike, you can sprinkle in on this in the summer. Mike and I were driving down to San Antonio for coaching school, and and I said something like, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Oklahoma go back to the 90s for a couple of years. And he turned to me and goes, yeah, but I know what you think of Oklahoma and the respect you have for them and, and just the rivalry. Do you really want to see that? And I was like, I kind of sat there and thought, about it. I was like, I wouldn't mind it for a year or two, but overall – Nothing beats like an 08 type atmosphere where it's one versus five or yeah. one of the early 2000s games, um, maybe like the Superman play by Roy Williams where it's one versus two or one versus three, whatever it was. Like those moments are what make that rivalry great. So, you know, I thought Sark put it perfectly like we've got to play better as two schools leading into that game so that you get game day and you get big noon kickoff there. So that was kind of missing from the pregame buzz. Um, but, Me personally, though, I don't know, kind of enjoying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally enjoying it. Not, <laughs> no big deal. Uh, but, you know, those types of things just For sure. over the top, right? And then as far as big roars in the game, going back to uh, I think what all three of us kind of commented on last week, 
it doesn't matter what the records are. You may be some random guy on the West Coast or East Coast and say, why do I care about this game this year? But the people there cared on Saturday on both sides. And um, there were some anxious moments and some some loud moments early. And then once the, the route was on, every touchdown was just a giant celebration. You had streamers in the air being thrown that were orange and white. And it was just a big party. And um I kind of joked, I was on the 30-yard line, like on the very first row underneath the overhang, and it almost felt like you were like in a in a party in there. Like you could just hear the chatter the whole time, and people were just enjoying themselves because uh, it was echoing on the concrete above us. Um, and, yeah, I, it was just that uh, that day always lives up to it, and I, I get chills and emotional just talking about now. But, uh, yeah, I, you, you look forward to it. 360 days from now again, you know, so absolutely uh, good time. Well, with that being said, we'll probably go to a bit of a quicker uh, picks uh, segment this week. The overall records on the year. I am still in first place. Before we do that, because we took a lot of time on the Oklahoma game. Let's uh, let's stop here. Let's take another break. Those sponsors look, they don't, they don't pay for spots just for me and you. They want to pay for spots when guys on the segment too. So uh, let's get them in here and then we'll come back and do picks. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So... We are back to game picks. Uh, excuse, uh, apologies to everybody for me abruptly stopping that last segment, but got to keep an eye on the clock and make sure our uh, sponsors get their money's worth. And, you know, like we said, we love them. So, uh, Hudson, run us down on the records. Uh, we have had a change at the in the, the standings. Hudson, still in first place, eight weeks in a row, 25 and 11. Guy is up to second place after a 5 and 0 week last week, 24 and 12. Mike, that Irving MacArthur Cardinal uh, shirt getting a little, little, I don't know. Mike is at 23 and 13, nothing to scoff at. He went four and one last week, but due to guys, five and oh, perfect uh, week seven slate. You unfortunately are in last place. My, we're uh, still I, only two games out. Yeah, well, we're you all, are two we're games all out. It is yeah, one, two, three. It is anybody's. Uh, game to lose and guy i'm gonna hand it off to you as i frantically pull up the wheel okay yeah i'll I'll take my time here um you know i don't know what y'all's thoughts are on this i I think i have a a good feeling but i've just kind of thought that the the schedules this year have stunk Uh, so i tried to scratch some games together without repeating teams and and that there might be a little bit of a recruiting angle a little bit tough this week 
Um, I will say if you're in the Austin area, we only have one game here. But great week. But it is a great slate. I almost threw Round Rock and uh, Austin Vandy in this. We had Round Rock in there last week, so I don't want to double dip on too many teams. But it's a really good week in the Austin area, and we'll highlight the the best of the slate down there uh, in our picks here. So uh, without further ado, we'll go to our first game of the five-game slate, 7 p.m. Thursday at Freedom Field. Um, down the greater Houston area. We've got the number 10 team in 5A D1, the Richmond Foster Falcons, who are 6-1. and one. They'll make the short trip over to um, face off with a familiar foe, the Manville Mavericks, who are sitting at a 4-2 and two record uh, so far this season in mid-October. Um, the wheel has spoken. Hudson will go first. I'll go second. And somehow Mike again is in the trail. This is a tougher game to handicap than I was anticipating. Richmond Foster is tied for number one in the district. They are a state-ranked team, but they have one of the they they have a pretty interesting loss, twelve to seven on their schedule against Magnolia West. However, it's not like Manville, a potential you know state contender. And really somebody who I think we all agree should be uh, in that level. Like they, they, they're four and two, including a loss to Angleton 24 to 21. They struggled against Friendswood. I don't know. It's a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit of a tougher game to pick than I think looking just off the resume uh, that you'd go with. Um, At first I was really leaning uh, towards Foster but the more I kind of dove into the matchup, even though they are such an inconsistent team and I hate doing this, I'm going to roll with the more talented bunch uh, in Manville. Yeah, so intriguing game between two teams that, especially in years past, you would have highlighted um, for a matchup like this. Uh, but, you know, a year ago, Richmond Foster finished 5-5 five and five and had a real dip kind of out of nowhere. Um, There's a really young team. Um, and now a year later, it, it kind of looks like they've uh, that that waiting has has paid off. Now they're sitting at six and one, and a lot of those guys who played in young spots a year ago are now back. They returned seventeen starters, and all that's kind of paying off for them. Um, they're not as talented, maybe from a prospect perspective, as years past when they've had guys like C.D. Lamb, Cody Jackson, Ruben Fathery, guys like that. Uh, you know, Hudson brings up a good point that Manville is probably the more talented bunch. Um, and, and to kind of dive in more into that common opponent of Mag West, where Richmond Foster at the 12 7 final, Manville actually took care of business 30 to 14. A pretty good Mag West team, too, that's 5 and 1. So uh, there's some, some, um, some clutter there at the top of this district. And this is a game that will kind of help filter some of that out. We covered Fulshear a week ago, and they're kind of in this mix as well. Um, I'm going to go with Richmond Foster. I don't know if I mentioned it. They are four-point favorites in this game, according to the DCTF computer. I think it's a really good game, but uh, I highlighted this back early in the season. Manville only returned three starters from a year ago, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the inconsistency. Uh, so I'm going to go with a more experienced bunch. Give me Richmond Foster. Guy, real quick before Mike makes his pick, too. You mentioned – we both mentioned the common opponent of Magnolia West, but also the fact that Foster beat Angleton, who we know is a pretty dang good pretty team, 35-7. to seven, Like, 
I, I think this is probably one of the uh, games. And Manville lost to them for what it, it's worth. Exactly. So it's like yeah. it's one of the games you put on the slate that I think, I mean, we're next week, whoever ends up being the winner, I don't think any of us are going into this feeling, you know, more than like 50% confidence. So yeah, I just got, wanted to brag on you for the pick of this uh, matchup. You've got name. Angleton, Foster, Fulshear, Mag West, and Manville all just cluttered there at the top of yeah, They uh, all have only head. one district loss. The only right. four teams make the playoffs. So and, something's got to give at some point. Yeah. And I think this is one of those games where you'll start to see some of that separation occur. So and I feel I feel bad for my guy Braylon Shelby at Friendswood, who uh we were texting today and he was like, Look, dude, I they keep they I, basically every single run has been opposite of my way this season. Like mm-hmm. teams won't run towards me and they're two and three on the year. And I mean, if they were in any other district, I think they'd be a playoff team. Sorry, Mike, for going a little long. You're good. Um, I think percentage-wise, I probably get the third position on the wheel more than anybody. And Today usually, especially. Usually I'm pretty resolved in my pick, even with that. Uh, I don't usually let that change me a lot. While you guys were talking, I was just looking at both resumes. and I think I went into this pretty geared on taking Manville. Um, but looking at the resumes, the, the common opponent – that does uh, that, you know, that I look at is that Angleton game. And I don't know, man, I, I think it's, it's close to a pick em game. Uh, I need to play it a little bit safe. I think with, uh, with me falling into third. So I'm going to trust the off criticized DCTF computer and I'm going to go with Richmond Foster. Trying to think of who Tepper picked in this game. I know it was in his picks today, but um, yeah, I think it's a really good game. If you're in the in that section of Houston, um, I guess south of town a little bit, go check it out. Um, and it's on a Thursday, so if you have a exactly. game on Friday, like pretty quiet Thursday too. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, game number two of the slate. Uh, pretty good one here in the DFW area between two teams that are. Uh, gaining some some you know much deserved uh, spotlight this year. 7 p.m. Friday at Keller ISD Stadium there on the campus of Keller High. Uh, we've got the number 22 Trophy Club Byron Nelson Bobcats who are six and0 so far uh, making the short trip over to face off with the Keller High Indians who are five and one. Um, DCTF computer has Byron Nelson as a 23-point favorite in this game. I find that somewhat intriguing. Uh, Keller's had a pretty good resume and and off to a really good start this year. Uh, But so has Byron Nelson. So curious to get y'all's thoughts on that. The wheel has spoken. Uh, Hudson will go first. I'll go second. And once again, Mike will be in the trail. I I do not like going first, to be clear. And the wheel has just been – I mean, you'll see it later on. Like today is – tough for me as far as the wheel goes because when you go first it's a little bit easier to play the strategy game in my opinion uh i think that we're probably all going to pick byron nelson here huge credit to keller and mike i think your boy trey uh griffiths right the mm-hmm. 2024 uh prospect keller was three points away in a 38 to 35 result last week it uh, almost beat south lake carroll really impressive stuff but I think the world of this trophy club Byron Nelson team. And I think honestly, when 
Nelson and Southlake Carroll play, we're going to mention it on the pick, and I'm going to pick the Bobcats in that game too. So um, give me the fighting David Cabongos, um, the Texas safety offer. Yeah, so if Keller had, had capitalized on that last week and walked away with a win, that would have been incredible. Mike knows this a little bit. Keller High and, and Southlake Carroll are not far from each other. In fact, you have to get you have to go through Southlake to get to Keller High, basically. Um, it's not the easiest place to get to. So kids know each other well. It's it's relatively the same area. Um, I am curious how much of that result leaned on the fact that Caden Anderson left that game early. Bingo. Um so there is some of that. With that being said, I think it is a fun Keller team, and they've put up some points this year. And, you know, they haven't played the greatest of competition at times, but they've, they've taken care of business, and they're off to a 5-1 record. Um, it also feels like Amari Henry, who's a receiver over there. I don't know why. I saw him play a couple of years ago there, and the fact that he's still there is – I'm so glad you mentioned bit, but I'm so glad you, you like him. He was fantastic player. last week. Uh, and Mike was digging up some old tweets of his talking about him. That was really my first exposure to him. I'm so happy you mentioned him. Yeah, he he's been there for 900 years, it feels if like. If somehow but... you're an FCS or a like uh, G5 school listening to this, or if you know people in those personnel departments, somebody worth taking a look at. Really an interesting story, too. He's uh, a South Fort Worth kid, <clears throat> I think. Fort Worth Southwest is where he would have gone. Okay. Um, rough home life was was kind of uh, kind of the Prince Dorva story. It was adopted by um, a family that he had played you know youth ball with their kid who lived in Keller, and he's been moved over there. And you're right, guy. It feels like forever that he's been there. Um, mm-hmm. Really fast track kid too. Really good player. So yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no. I mean, that's I, I. I think you've maybe mentioned that to me before, but I honestly kind of forgot he existed until the last couple of weeks. And um, one of my dad's good buddies, Wes Cope, who's on the staff over there, I think he's still at Keller. He he kind of told me about him initially. I think Mike did as well. But the great uh, Wes Cope. Yeah, yeah. Wes Cope's. You know, he's a basketball official with my with my father. Awesome guy. Great football coach. Um, great track guy. coach too. Huh? Great track coach too. He's had track. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I guess the last thing I'll say, I'm going to go, we've talked a lot about Keller High. I am going to go with Byron Nelson here. Um, I think the DCTF computer might be a little stiff and 23 points might be a little much, but um, flamethrower offense with the Bobcats. And then I actually watched Ashton Williams film. I caught up with that a little bit a couple weeks ago, helping uh, our buddy Coach O post some film and, He's been unreal playing as a safety down the box this season. That was a lot of fun to watch. So give me Byron Nelson, but uh, cool story with Keller High this year. Yeah, I, I like I said, West Cope is a is a friend, uh, one of my best friends in the world. Chris Roberts is on that staff. I would love to go with the loyalty pick here and take Keller, but I love this Byron Nelson team. And if we're going to gripe at the computer and all those sorts of things. I know there's a lot of good teams in 6A, man, but 22 kind of feels low uh, for a ranking for as good as I think the Spire Nelson team is. Uh, maybe a little low for a potential state title contender. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, if, you're, if, if you're tired of hearing about By- Byron Nelson, I've got some bad news for you because we're probably going to uh, talk about that quite a bit as we get toward the playoffs. But 
Uh, I just like that team too much. They're a, they are a, a flamethrower of a team, and they can play really tough defense. They can score. I I got to take them. And shoot, if 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 uh, Kane Anderson didn't get hurt, I think it'd be a shoe in for me to be at the South Lake um, Byron Nelson game here in a couple of weeks. Agreed. Now I may still go, but that game would be unreal if if South Lake was at full tilt healthiness. So um, anyway. Uh, that's our picks. We all go with the same choice there with, with the trophy club. So on the game, number three, 7 PM Friday, um, going back to Burleson ISD stadium, Mike's old stomping grounds to some extent. Um, we've got the number five team in five, a division one, the Alito Bearcats who are five and two this year so far, uh, making the trip East, uh, to, Face off with, I guess, somewhat familiar foe, a little bit of a new face, the number six team in 5A Division One, the Burleson Centennial Spartans, who are 6-0 after a big win over Denton Ryan last week, was in our pick'em. Uh, DCTF Computer has the Bearcats as a three-point favorite on the road, um, and, and Alito's looking to defend uh, their district winning streak uh, that, that goes back to 2007, despite their topsy-turvy year so far. So the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. Mike will go second this time, and I'll be in the trail. Here's what I found interesting. Last week, the DCTF computer, a home game for Centennial, had them as a slight favorite against Denton Ryan. Mm-hmm. I I was pretty certain that Alito was going to be a dog heading into uh, Burleson First ISD game. Stadium, especially after last week was last week's result, but. You know, here the Bearcats are a three-point favorite, and while again it's in that margin to where it could be either side, I do find that a little bit interesting. I picked Denton Ryan last week. My kind of entire analysis was that if y'all didn't pick Burleson Centennial, I was going to be on them. Essentially, I had just identified that as a game to where uh, I could use some strategy and try to make some distance. Really close game. I did not realize until about the third quarter looking at a uh at um tweets from the game that Den Ryan was without their starting quarterback and their starting running back. And while I still think that if those two players would have played Caleb Hicks the Oklahoma commit and Kalen Davis who's a three-year starter at Denton Ryan, I still think Centennial could have won that game, but it would have probably been a little bit more of a difficult path and maybe the game isn't played exclusively at their pace. Um and to be completely honest, I, I, I think that maybe Centennial didn't even play their A plus game. Like I think that the assumption across the state was that okay, Centennial, you know, beat Denton Ryan. A lot of people were calling it an upset, which you know historically, sure. If you look at the overall scope of the programs, it's a massive upset. But they were a favorite at home, so. I, I don't know. Part of me thinks this also could be a little bit of an emotional letdown. And guy, I'm going to trust my pick. I guess I'm going to put trust in with my pick of Alito, our our friend and a kid that we really like a lot in Alito. Sure Haney. Haney. Yep. Who I will say again, watched as a slot receiver last year. He's the Alito quarterback now. He will eventually, he will eventually become a power five slot receiver. I know that he wants to play quarterback, and I think that at the high school level he's really talented. But he his future is as a route runner. 
His futures is a route runner, and I think he's the level of slot receiver that could eventually make an NFL roster. And again, I get it's kind of crazy, but sure, you think a guy like Drake Stoops makes noise? Wait till Haas Haney makes some noise. Yeah, no, <laughs> no joke. So again, Drake Stoops made no noise. Yeah, the yeah. only noise Drake Stoops made was like "ouch, owie." After, yeah. after I think maybe Jaron Thompson sent him uh, back to Norman North. Is that where he went, guy? Norman oh. North. Yeah, he went to Norman North. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Jaron Thompson. All right, uh, this one's tough for me too. Um, it's Alito's five and two, which is weird territory for them. But you look at their two losses, and it's Geyer, who very understandable, and it's Parrish Piscopal, who this year kind of understandable, a team that played a very tough non-district and, and pushed a lot of publics to the limit, um, including South Oak Cliff and uh, Beatolito, and had some really good wins. I – I hate that we're picking Centennial two weeks in a row on the show because uh, I think last week I did a whole promo about how uh, family friend Bill Hughes is is part of that defensive staff for uh, Centennial, and I and I trust him. And I do, but I'm going to have to go against the loyalty pick this week, I think. I'm, I'm, I'd really like to pick Centennial, but I think if it gets into a case of it's a two-score game, their offense struggles a little bit to keep up with the pace. So I'm going to go with Alito. Remind me, Mike, I asked you this a week ago. I'm like, my brain's drawing blanks. What, what version of an option offense do they run again at Centennial? Uh, it's like wing T, uh, flex bone kind of. Right. So Okay. So I, th- I think they're I kind think of multiple. It, okay. Well, they have really good athletes running that system right now. Um, and I'm, I, I, I kind of like what Hudson said. You know, they're going to kind of have to fend off the letdown situation. And they get no break. They they go from Denton Ryan to Alito back-to-back weeks. I'm going to keep it short, though. I actually have a lot of faith in Phil Hamilton and Chapman Lewis and company to get it done. Um, it's a centennial renaissance here. Uh, I think it's a good group of, of leadership with those two guys and, and whoever else they have kind of in their leadership council over there to get this thing gelled right and, and come with two big wins at home back-to-back weeks. Uh, give me Burleson Centennial with their smash-mouth offense to kind of cut the game in half and, and keep the ball out of Alito's hands. Not to mention Alito offense at times has not been just rolling on all For cylinders. Sure. There, the, I think that Centennial might. There's a good chance Centennial punks the Alito offensive line that has struggled all year, and right. that um, it's like a 14 to nothing game. And you're like, oh, I guess it was close, two possessions. And it's like, nah, nah, dog. Uh, Centennial did whatever they want. I hate that I picked against them back to back weeks because it's one of the few um, archaic offensive programs in the state that I actually love. I really like that program a ton. And that was even before um, I kind of knew Mike's personal angle with Bill Hughes. Last thing before we head on to the next game, if Centennial wins this game, you have to take them seriously as a state title contender in 581. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think their offense just, 
at these at this like especially the five and six a level you get mostly spread offenses of some variety across the state so you're not used to preparing for someone like this you know that's why liberty hill is able to hang with sock a year ago because it's just a funky offense that throws you for a one week you know preparation right and playoff and, time that can be tough and the chief threat in 5a d1 is longview we saw longview and again i don't think that this centennial uh offense is anywhere close to the Tiscosa attack led by King Doru that gave Longview fits in the state semifinal, but they also have a defense that is like measures better. So I don't know. That's just something to look out for. Like if you're a high school football fan and you're checking the scores at Friday night and you see that Centennial wins by a couple possessions, like that's a program you seriously have to consider as a state title, uh, you know, challenger. And it truly is a renaissance here because this is somewhat uncharted. It is uncharted territory. Yeah. This is a team that's typically hangs around five hundred. So I think I think I read this was like their first time ever to win uh, six, six games, games. start a season. Yeah, they were five and seven a year ago or something like that. So it it's uncharted territories for sure. Um, good game if you're in the fourth area of, of the Metroplex. Go check it out. Um, moving on. We're going to touch on that Austin game I kind of hinted at earlier um, in the high school section as we go to Dripping Springs Tiger Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Friday night as the number two team in 6A, the Austin-Westlake Chaparrales, who are 6-0, make the trip over to um, get a nice little, I think could be a shootout type game, but with the number 16 team in 6A, the Dripping Springs Tigers, who are 6-0 themselves. Battle of Unbeatens uh, should be a really fun game in, in the Capital City area. Um, the wheel's spoken. Mike will go first. Hudson will go second. I'll be in the trail again. Uh, one last thing. DCTF Computer does have Westlake as a five-point favorite. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, obviously the headline for this game is Austin Novosad at, at Dripping Springs versus, uh, that Tony Salazar defense at Westlake. I mean, it's, it's unfair to completely take away, you know, Jaden Greathouse, who's one of the most decorated Texas high school football players ever and, and the offensive weapons for Westlake, but you know, they make their money on the defensive side of the ball. So that's going to be the question. Can Colton Vosick and that line get to Austin Novosad and make him uncomfortable and, uh, you know, kind of pressure him and can, and can Westlake score, uh, outscore Tripping uh, Springs in a game where, you know, if Novosad gets gets cooking, it's it's a shootout. So I'm a big, uh, big to be the man, you got to beat the man kind of guy. So give me Westlake. <sighs> Uh, there is such a Hudson desire to get too cute and pick Dripping Springs. Like, Westlake has kind of fiddled around with a couple of different teams. Like, against, like, Travis, I was pretty adamant that, oh, the Cavs don't have a shot in this one. And then you check the score in the third quarter, and it's like, oh, th- uh, this Westlake team's mortal. Last week, uh, Texas baseball commit uh, who in the 2025 class, a sophomore, Ed Small, went crazy for Austin Anderson. What a name, by the way. And he is a he is a baller. Like, he is so good at football. I've tried to get in contact with him a couple of times, and he, I think he's just focused on uh, getting out to uh, Dishwalt um, and doesn't really care about all the football stuff as much as far as recruiting goes. But, like, I, I looked up, and I think Westlake was only beating Anderson 28-17 to 17, uh, 
with some time extended in that game. So part of me wants to get too cute, but I have too much faith in Tony Salazar as probably the best defensive mind in Texas high school football right now. So even though part of me wants to take the home dog in a Super Bowl type um, spot, I've got to go with Westlake. And if Dripping Springs does does it, tip the cap to him and you know move on. Oh, I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Jeez, I went by fast. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Westlake in the end because I just don't think you pick against their, what is it, like 46-game winning streak or whatever it is. Um, but I think it is intriguing that this is the first time in a long time that Westlake enters a game where the opposing team has the better quarterback. Um, and and that's, that is intriguing to kind of look at and think, well, could that be a difference maker? When you look at Westlake's resume and what they've done this year, in the end, they've pretty much motorboated everybody, and, and that's the end result. But they've kind of, you know, scuttled around in some games before getting to that point. Um, does that give someone like Austin Novus had a chance where he kind of has some life and he keeps them around in the shootout, or or what ends up happening? I, you know, who knows? But um, I, I'm going to go with Westlake. I think. Until otherwise, you can't really pick against them. But there is something intriguing about Austin Novosad being in this game, and does he light it up and kind of put some people on notice in 6A? And I do realize that a lot of people, when they listen to this, whether right or wrong, hear Baylor commit Austin Novosad and are like, oh, okay, so he's a solid player. This is somebody that Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Georgia were trying to flip oh. from Baylor during the summer. Like, this is a true, you know – QB five, QB six in this class. And I don't know, I'm starting to potentially talk myself into uh drip being a legitimate six uh, a, I think they'd go D two bracket title contender. Um, Cause, because the Vandegrift result was so impressive. And if you don't believe in Denton Geyer, like who else is there other than them and DeSoto in D two? Cause it seems like Katie's going D one now. Well, and as much as we talk about Westlake's defense, I don't know, you know, Dripping Strangers doesn't have the same talent, but, you know, the last, what, five weeks they've had, they've let a touchdown, a shutout, and a 77-0 win, a 55-7 win, a 35-0 win, a 67-6 win. <laughs> Not the greatest competition always, but they've taken care of business. So uh, they play some good defense too, and that was something our, our buddy Greg Tepper made sure to highlight highlight uh, tonight on his picks and something I kind of went and looked further into. So two really good defensive units, maybe one more talented, but uh should be a fun game. From experience, if you're going to this game, one, if you're in the Austin area, this is, this is the game to go to it, like with battle of the lakes. I, I think we said, you know, go, if you've never experienced it, blah, 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 routine pitch. If, if there's any of a doubt, if you're a student and you're trying to take a friend who's never experienced the Texas high school football vibe, like this is the game to take them to. But warning, if you are, even if you are scheduled to go before you heard my elevator pitch, Dripping Springs parking is a nightmare. I don't know if either of you have ever been to a game there, but parking is, I believe, a quarter mile to a mile and a half away from the stadium, and you have to bus over to the stadium. So, like, you can get there ahead of time. Yeah. If you arrive to the game at seven o'clock, be prepared to get to the gates at like 745. It is that level of a wait. 
and I, maybe they've improved the ops since I was in school at Texas, but from talking with some people, again, just be prepared if you're going to the game to get there super early. I mean, does it look like Mike and I have been to a Dripping Springs game? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, okay. All right. Final game. It's our small school game of the week. Uh, it's a top 10 matchup. Um, fun one here in the DFW area. 7.30 p.m. Friday and is Coyote Field. Got the number eight team in the 4A Division One, the Kaufman Lions, who are five and one, coming from the far southeast corner of Dallas, traveling to the north side where they will take on the number five team in 4A Division One, the Anna Coyotes, who are six and zero. DCTF Computer has this game as a um, sixteen point favorite in favor of Anna. Uh, the wheel's spoken. I will go first. Hudson will go second, and Mike's in that magical trail spot. Um, I'll keep this short. I don't know a ton about both these teams. Um, more than anything, the the top ten aspect kind of threw me in with this one. It was either this game or Columbus Hitchcock. I don't think you go wrong with either of them. <laughs> um, and maybe I should have leaned with that one. I think that's Hudson a Hudson game, game of the week special. That is the, yeah. the Huddy five star game of the week. Oh my god! But, but um, I mean. This is a fantastic. This is a top ten matchup too. Well, and there's some intriguing stuff from an eight district eight four AD one standpoint. Anna Kaufman and Sulphur Springs have kind of separated themselves from the the rest of the pack. Uh, Mike's Maybank Panthers, Nevada Community, and, and Paris, who's in a down year. Um, so there's some some district implications. Did you say there. Mike's Maybank Panthers? Yeah, or well, not, it wasn't Maybank. It was no, a, May Pearl. I'm May Pearl. Pearl. Oh. My bad, my bad. <laughs> when I said that, I was like, I think that's right. But big, okay. big school guy, we all look the same to you. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> May, May Bank, May Pearl. You know what? What is it? You know? <laughs> but um, neither all that great all the time. You know, but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, not to dig myself in too much of a hole. Um, I'll keep this short. Uh, the the one player I do know in it is uh, James Dubar with with Anna. His his brother Abner Dubar that came out a couple years ago was at Minnesota originally. Now at ACU, was a fun player. And the the younger Dubar is a guy that can just flat out run. Has a ten six hundred time. Um, a guy that we've known for a while. He's been at a couple of O's camps I think in the past and just kind of been around. But um give credit to Kaufman they've they've played some pretty good football in the last couple of years couple down years in between but going back to 2017-2018 uh they've they've turned that program into something pretty formidable um and and I think more than anything you know Anna was a seven win team a year ago that didn't make the playoffs because they were with Argyle Melissa and and those in, in Paris as well I think um and this year a little bit softer district I think they're obviously a playoff team at this point uh, give me Anna at home, uh, but but a fun game uh, for the four A level here in the Metroplex. I'm gonna. I have four points I need to make, so but I'm gonna try to go quickly. One, I'm so happy that you mentioned Breezy Dubar, the Boise State commit, because yep. I think he is somebody that could creep into the like top 200 level rankings. Like Gabe Brooks loves him. We're big fans. He has always been a player that I liked his senior season. He's taking it to a different level. He's the complete package at running back. And is somebody that I do think is going to play uh, in the NFL one day. Like he is truly phenomenal Two, uh, one of the first pieces that the uh, Hudson Standish ever wrote was 
a like top five hires of the Texas high school football offseason, what, like two offseasons ago. Seth Parr to Anna was my number two pick. I think that he is a fantastic coach. He was incredible at Coronado. And getting him into the Metroplex, I felt like Anna was going to take off. And it's one of, like, I've had some lousy takes, but this that's one that I'm pretty proud of. Uh, three, Kaufman, uh, really good program on the rise. We saw them win the state seven-on-seven title, not this past year, but the previous Um Really intriguing. Like that's an area again. If I was an FCS um, coach, I would look at and trying to find some guys because I do think they have talent. I've got the uh, Coyotes in this one. Um, I, I kind of think that they might be a sleeper state mm-hmm. title contender, especially because they're D one and D one is seemingly pretty open this year. I don't know how physical they are and. They've had a little bit of luck this year. If you remember, they had a hook and ladder to win a um, game at the last second. So yeah, that was pretty been, cool. Yeah. They've been fortunate, but also they have a really good result against Salina. Uh, first time they've ever beat uh, you know that program. So I'm rolling with the uh, Coyotes. And then my fourth point, Mike, you might find this interesting. I don't know how interesting guys going to find it. Um, just found out that Sadir Mitchell was at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday with mm-hmm. his entire family. Oh, shout out to Deer. Making the trip from the, the great Northeast. Um, yeah, I'll keep it short. I think the worst part about being in the trail position is you don't get to make the initial point on a player you like. And I think we all like Breezy Dubar. And uh, I look at him and say he's the difference in this game. A guy like that um, can take over a game in that situation, especially at the 4A level. Um, uh, Hudson, I know you like to play that game of like, Hey, this guy, how far do you think he could take a 4A team? I think Breezy Dubar could take him pretty far. So um, I'll roll with uh, the Coyotes as well. Yeah, also great point by Hudson there on Seth Parr. I I kind of forgot about that. When he took that job, some people on the peripheral who just, you know, didn't look into the, uh, the, the weeds on this, like he was going from a 5A job to a 4A job. And, and at the point that has never really had no won, success too. Has, has no success. But if you kind of look into it, and, and if you're familiar with the Metroplex, Anna is where a lot of growth is going. Anna, Salina, Melissa, places like that. Reach. They're eventually going to be a 5A program. They have yeah. really good facilities that they've built recently. Someone like the older Dubar Abner, who kind of put them on the map a couple years ago. So there's there's potential to have talent there. And more than anything, it's a one-school town. Like, Lubbock Coronado is not a bad job at all. But he was able to kind of go be the guy there. Um, and then with, with Breezy now there, you know, and, and the Dubars have just been fun because they're they're like Swiss Army Knights at the high school level. They, yeah. you know, they just bring a lot to the table at the 4A level. And um, yeah, that Seth Parr point was, was spot on, honey. So anyway, that does it for the, uh, the picks. A um, little bit of a sleepy slate again, but fun nonetheless. Can we just do a bonus pick for uh, Columbus Hitchcock? And it, nobody gets a loss for it since we didn't do. Uh, uh, I don't have a clue, but I, I think I would take Columbus. At home. I would take Columbus too, but Hitchcock, I believe, is undefeated. They won the uh, 4A, 3A, um, 7 on 7, and they have 
uh, Damian McDaniel, who visited Texas earlier this year, Lloyd Jones, the third, whose dad was a Florida state quarterback and has just been balling. They, and then like, and they have like three other kids that are going to be division one football players. And then Columbus, you have coached um, by a Shobel. coached by a Shobel, quarterbacked by a Shobel. And I think Adam Shobel, the 2025 QB at Columbus is a legitimate, like could be on the Texas uh, radar, like in, in a year, if he has an offer by Texas, it would not surprise me in the slightest. He's unbelievably good. Yeah, I, I, Columbus is a wagon, so I'll roll with Columbus. All right, uh, that'll do it for the game picks before we get out of here. Uh, quick rundown on where we are going. Um, so like I said, I'm on vacation next week. I'm only going to one game this week. I'll be in Houston. Uh, it's a game time decision uh, based on credentials, but it will either be Katie Seven Lakes versus uh, Katie Jordan, or I will be going to. Uh, I think the. I think if I have my Houston geography right, the other side of uh, the Greater Houston area to see uh, Clear Lake versus Clear Springs. Uh, Clear Lake, of course, home to Hunter Modden, uh, the Texas commit. That is the one place I do have a credential proof for. So I'm waiting on Katie before I make my final decision. I do. I should have shouted him out when we were talking about really great quotes. I had a story up with Hunter Modden with his reactions from Red River Shootout, and he gave such an insightful answer on what he looks for during games that I just thought was fantastic. Selfishly, kind of hope that you go to that one just because that kid is such a delight. Um, even though I do realize that, uh, you know, Dak Brinkley is a um, prospect we probably need to get our eyes on. What's going to be the decision factor, Mike, as far as which – I mean, it, let's say you get credentials to both. Um, which one you're able to get to first since they're on – one's on the other side of Houston? I would probably lean to the Katie game if I had credentials for it. Uh, I got credentials for both just in case. But um, if I get credentials for Katie, I'll probably – do that okay Hudson where are you heading so Thursday night I will be at Keller Central South Lake uh, to see Keldon Ryan uh, recently visited Texas is a 2025 quarterback that is going to be on the national uh, radar you know just Family really talented kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the, that's the main reason there. And then, you know, South Lake Carroll has a tight end that has a Texas offer uh, in the 2025 class. And there's a 24 tight end that we can kind of look at as well. Easy game for a Thursday slate that, um, you know, doesn't have a ton of Texas relevance. And then on Friday, um, I'm going to go to Arlington Martin, Arlington Sam Houston, we will see if we're able to get anything from JV and Toviano post game. But regardless, it's just going to be good to see him in action, even though I was at this game last year at uh, Choctaw, where it is again. And Lafayette Kway, the TCU tight end commit in Arlington, Sam Houston, uh, will not have much of a shot. And Martin is going to be sure to run up the score on him. Yeah, so uh, have fun with that, Hudson. Oh, thank gosh. At least it's not at Wildman. You 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 lucked out on that, I guess. But I uh, really wish I was going to Westlake Dripping Springs. I submitted credentials and everything, but after last week where I finished writing articles at like 4.45 a.m. and had a early uh, wake-up call that I missed 
I, I had the worst feeling guy where you wake up, like you regain consciousness while two alarms are going off at the same time. And our boy, Colin Kennedy, uh, I was 30 minutes late for our gambling Twitter space. So I felt bad. So I'm trying to be a little bit more responsible and have a closer to the Metroplex game for Friday. Sure. So uh, it's it's kind of all up in the air. It's a real fluid situation with me this week. I was thinking about just taking the week off and focusing on school stuff. Um, Thursday night, I could be at the crib. There was also a last-second move where I might just drive up to the store and spend the night with our buddy Kyle Yeomans and Heckma Harrison and just sit in the press box and watch Kind of a sneaky good Frisco ISD game between Frisco High and Frisco Heritage. A game that would never touch my radar, but um, Frisco High is typically kind of a, a, a cornerstone program up in Frisco ISD is is taking on a Heritage team that's off to like a 5-1 and one or 6-1 and one start. So I may go up there and just hang in the press box and see what I can find myself to get into. Um, we'll see. Then Friday, I'll either stay at the crib or I'll make the short three-minute drive over to Highlander to watch Highland Park host uh, Mike's close friends, the Irving Nimitz Vikings. Uh, Nimitz is down this year. I'm not really sure what I'll gain from it. I'd like to kind of go watch the loss of Petty closely, the offensive lineman at Highland Park. Um, so we'll see because it's three minutes down the road. I'll probably get an inch. I'll probably make the, make the short drive uh, across the neighborhood, but you know, Nimitz almost ended up on the wrong side of an Irving High score last week. I was about to also Nimitz down this year compared to other years where they're a wagon question mark. Yeah, I mean, like this is a year where Nimitz <laughs> actually might be the worst program in, in Irving ISD, and I think Irving might be slotted at two. Mike, I don't know. We'll uh, I mean, they played head to head, and Nimitz won. I don't know that you can say that. That's... Oh, was that last week? Yeah, oh, okay. Well, it was I a real, know. it was a real pillow fight. I think it was like thirty-two twenty-five or something like that. Okay. All right. Well, I okay. I knew that was coming up, and then you've got Irving and Irving back tomorrow or on Friday. But um, so there's that, and then. I'll wake up early Saturday morning and head to Austin for more boots on the ground coverage as we host Iowa State. So uh, I may go to no high school games. I may go to two. I may go to one. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Well, that was a, a marathon, um, and I'm sure kicking Oklahoma didn't didn't uh, help shorten the shorten the clock on that. Oh, if you thought that was a marathon, talking Texas is going to be seven hours and forty five minutes. Oh, we got to decide when we're recording that. I thought about maybe doing it right after this, but I may need a day um, to come back and do that again. Seven hours and 49 minutes, am I right? <laughs> All right. Guy, those before, boys, Jalen Ford. Yeah, I was about to say, I was going to lead off, lead off with it on Talking Texas, but the Jalen Ford Instagram caption is one of the best moments of, uh, oh my God. Yeah, so we'll talk we'll talk more about that on Talking Texas. Thanks to Guy for joining us as always. Thank you to you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate everything for Hudson Standish and Guy Frazier. I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 